Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Cammy Perfume, who's our producer, Paul Sonic, our technical producer, coming to you through the relevant Radio 1330 AM studios in Golden Valley. Do you, or maybe a friend of yours, enjoy cultivating beauty within your home? Well, maybe you're not much of a decorator, but you can certainly appreciate a beautiful space, such as maybe a home altar, a well-decorated prayer corner, or even just a cozy living room. But on a broader scale, there's nothing like stepping into a, an historic church, such as the Cathedral of St. Paul and or the Basilica of St. Mary, and being struck by the beauty of the architecture, the soaring ceilings, and the detailed artwork. The Catholic Church has a long and complex history with sacred art and beauty in general. Beautiful artwork, music, scripture, and vestments are all ways to engage the faithful and also to draw in people who've never experienced Catholicism. Dr. Mark McEnroy of the University of St. Thomas's Theology Department has a special interest in theological, theological aesthetics, and he is joining us today to discuss the all-encompassing idea of the theology of beauty, what it is and what it isn't. Dr. McEnroy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we see the concept of the theology of beauty. I've seen that before on social media, in the digital world, more and more. But how would you define it? What is a theology of beauty? Yeah, so there is indeed quite a bit of interest in this idea today. And in a, uh, briefly put, you could say that a theology of beauty entertains the notion that beauty is an attribute of God. Right? So, so okay. beauty is a way in which God can be described. And this idea, if one takes it seriously, leads one to some quite interesting places, some places that, as suggested in your introduction, can reinvigorate one's relationship with God. Right? Mm. So if one were to think of God as beautiful, then one thing that would mean is that encounter with God, devoting oneself to God, is aesthetically charged. Right? So it is, in other words, something like our experiences of great art, our experiences of great music. Right? So one devotes oneself to God and has an encounter that has that quality to it. Right? We, we are transported beyond ourselves. We are just utterly entranced with the object of beauty. To think of God along those lines means that, among other things, perhaps on Sunday morning when it comes time to go to church, one doesn't uh, drag one's heels, right, out of obligation. But instead, one goes to church to seek that kind of encounter, that kind of reinvigorating, reenlivening encounter with God. Yeah. Yeah, let's hope so. And let's, let's pray that's always true. I, uh, yeah. I, but one of the things that's coming up as you're speaking there, Dr. McEnroy, is that I, I can hear in that, that there is, there's something objective about beauty. And yet our culture oftentimes uses this rather subjective phrase of beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And so what's beautiful to me may not be beautiful to the guy down the street. And, uh, you know, that, the, that it's purely a subjective thing, but, but that's not what I'm hearing you say, right? That's right. That's right. And so th this, this gets into um, features of the history of philosophy and theology that um, have indeed, in recent centuries, uh, put us in touch with this notion that beauty might be in the eye of the beholder, as you say, it might be subjective. And there are, are a few ways to, uh, to interact with that idea. One would be to ask if it does justice to our actual experience, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think of experiences of beauty in our lives, on the one hand, we, we know this idea that's in our world today, beauty subjective. And yet, as we probe those experiences, what might occur to us is that 
beauty actually impresses itself upon us, hmm. right? That, that, that beauty uh, puts us on our heels, right? So if so much of our day-to-day lives consist of um, uh, viewing things, encountering things through our senses, and classifying them, right? We, we get an in, initially vague uh, impression, and then we, we categorize it. We put it in a, in a classification. In experiences of beauty, the exact opposite happens, right? Our, our efforts at um, classifying fail. We, we can't actively impose ourselves on what we're encountering. And instead, out of that frustration initially, we have to simply take what is given to us in the beautiful, right? It, it determines itself. And I think we, we see this many times in, in the way in which our response to beauty so frequently is not a voluntary one, right? It, it's not that um, as we're encountering something utterly, utterly beautiful, we coolly assess it, right? We say, well, will I be moved by this thing or not? And we make a conscious decision whether we will or, or, or won't. Um, instead, beauty carries us away, right? right? Beauty doesn't um, politely inquire into what we can handle, <laughs> but instead is, is, is off and running, right? Uh, establishing itself in us. Yeah. So if, if, if that uh, experiential grounding runs in the face of this notion of beauty, beauty being purely subjective, being determined by us, then where, where we can go next is to a consideration of, of the broader tradition, right? So it might be that in recent centuries, we have this idea of the subjectivity of beauty uh, afoot. But if we look to the history of philosophy, the history of theology, we find that for, for well over a millennium, uh, this notion of beauty as objective, and in fact, this notion of beauty as, as it's put, a transcendental property, right? Something that is um, not just in one thing or another thing, but instead in all things. It transcends particular things and pertains to everything that there is. So we're, we're familiar in Christian theology with the idea of goodness as a transcendental, right? That the world is good. If you look at uh, the creation narrative, you see this over and over again, right? God creates, uh, and at the end of each day of creation, God declares it is good. So, so the world is good, and it comes from a source of absolute goodness, namely God. The very same thing pertains to beauty, right? The world is fundamentally beautiful. It's, it's an idea that's at its roots, right, in the very roots of being. And this gestures toward a source of all beauty in the world, that will surpass anything that we find here, uh, that absolute source from which all beauty that we find in the world comes. So these are maybe some ways of, of pushing back against or having some more resources for considering further the, uh, the, the kind of uh, reflexive response of beauty as subjective, which is definitely something that a theology of beauty um, it needs to take on in the world in which we live. Yeah. How about in an evangelistic sense, uh, as we're speaking about beauty specifically, I know that it's it's kind of making the rounds it has for a few years now. Uh, some of the some of the modern Catholic evangelists and that sort of thing, from Bishop Barron to people like Matthew Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of people who say we need to lead with beauty in in the sense of our our evangel in the in the world today. Um, but let me ask you, just Doctor, if you can if you can expand a little bit on well, what is the what is the way you've you've talked about this uh, beauty leading to an encounter with Christ? Can you can you deepen that a little bit? I mean, how exactly do does that happen, or, or why and how are people who may have no religious experience um, led to a contemplation of God through beauty? 
Right. I mean, this is one of the striking things, right, is that, is that we find um, within any number of, of reports of encounter with God, we find it uh, at, in, in an acute way in um, the Christian mystical tradition, right? That there it might be at its apex, but we find it elsewhere as well. Uh, if you read these accounts, these these figures are um, in, in the midst of something that they, they clearly are not um, fully in control of by any means, something that, that has befallen them, and something that just instantly... Uh, instantly commands love. It, it it brings about a kind of um, rapturous devotion, um, much as one would would pursue one uh, one human being whom one loves, right? One uh, pursues God with that same kind of intensity. And, and um, this idea, in fact, one finds throughout scriptures, and uh, especially among. Uh, the early theologians of the church, the commentary on the Song of Songs, for instance, gives um, this rich set of resources for thinking about pursuing God with the same kind of urgency, right? That has all kinds of, of trappings, all kinds of dangers that can go wrong, certainly, in any number of ways. Uh, in, in, the, in the tradition of the church, one didn't give that commentary on the Song of Songs to, um, to, to the people who were just expressing interest in the Christian tradition. Instead, this was for those who had been uh, at it for quite some time. Um, so it's it's a rich resource, I would say, for evangelism in that one is inviting the um, a Christian to be exposed to that same kind of rapture, right? That same kind of fervent pursuit. Um, what it what it also does, and this is, I think, one of the the aspects that are is just starting to be be tapped into today. Um, many of our encounters with the beauty aren't easily kept to ourselves, Yeah, right? right. So, so we, we experience um, just an incredible concert, right? Or, or we go to an art exhibit, or we go on a hike through uh, the glories of, of the natural world. And so many times, we're eager to share it, right? In fact, we feel, feel compelled to share it. And this, I, I think, has some rich parallels for, for evangelism, right? Because what it would mean is that we, in our own um, encounters with God, our devotion to God, approach sharing that with others with confidence, right? We, we approach it with the same kind of confidence that we would after experiencing the best concert we've ever heard in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. There are people who, who need to hear this. There are people who will benefit from your right. account of, um, of that aesthetic experience. And so if we can think of the relationship with God in that aesthetic manner, then I would suggest that we can be much more comfortable, frankly, um, eager even to evangelize, to, to share that good news. Uh, we, we might uh, cease our, uh, the hesitations that some of us sometimes experience yeah. and uh, be really enthusiastic about sharing God's Word. Amen. We're speaking with Dr. Mark McEnroy from the University of St. Thomas's Theology Department on a Theology of Beauty. And Dr. McEnroy, I, I, it's, it's hard to imagine, but we are down to our last couple minutes here. But I did want to ask you specifically about how people can, uh, maybe some simple ways for listeners to begin noticing and cultivating beauty in their own lives. Yeah, so I mean, what, what's striking about beauty is the way in which, on the one hand, it, it's out there in the world, that's, that's to say it's objective, at least according to, to many figures, uh, and yet it takes a certain kind of attunement to encounter it in many instances, right? Sometimes beauty will just bowl us over. But in other instances, it takes a, a stillness, I would say, a sensitivity and awareness to detect things that are um, quite subtly going on, right? 
And so one, one effort then that, that can be undertaken is to simply um, sit in contemplation, right? To, to be still as challenging as that can be for many and to, um, in the midst of that stillness, observe what is happening, observe um, things that might miss one's ordinary perception uh, and, and tune into, uh, into what's going on. Um, one can, of course, expose oneself to art, expose oneself um, to music that can, uh, I think, facilitate much of this development. And, and to carry the, the parallel just one step further in, in this uh, notion of, of a theology of beauty, you know, when one cultivates that aesthetic sensibility, when, when one uh, becomes uh, tuned in to the beauties that are happening uh, in art, one is aware of subtleties such that one can then observe beauty in other settings. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a rich idea for the life of faith, right? So, so taking that notion of being attuned to subtleties to the life of faith, one can um, catch glimpses of God in arenas that might, uh, that might otherwise uh, be missed, right? If one is um, attuned, if one is, is appropriately cultivated, this aesthetic sensibility. So there's a, there's a carryover into the life of faith that I think um, benefits from instruction that one can find in the arts. Ah, wonderful. Dr. McEnroy, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today on A Theology of Beauty. I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface, and so we probably need to have you back on here in a, in a little bit to uh, carry on this conversation. But thank you for joining us today, and thank you for your continued and good work over at the University of St. Thomas as well. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure for me. So there are just so many things that we can do uh, with with beauty and, and ways that beauty opens our eyes and our thoughts and our minds and our hearts up to God. So, um, yeah, maybe a good resolution that I have is I'm going to go out and I'm going to start noticing from within that stillness that Dr. McEnroy was just talking about. But there's more to come on Practicing Catholic. When we return, Paul, Cammie, and I will have a rundown of some tantalizing Catholic events coming your way. Stay with us. Stay with us.